0: Could your budget survive giving up your primary income? That's the question that my guest today desperately wanted to answer. Debbie was a registered nurse making six figures, but wanted to switch her focus to taking care of her family at home. Without ever having used a spreadsheet before, she dove headfirst into the debt-free mom pay period budget. You'll learn from her experience of untangling the complicated emotions surrounding money and learn that it's never too late to take control of your finances. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped people like me get smarter about things like saving on travel, spending less on airfare leaves more money for food and fun, putting away money for retirement. I hate to break it to you, but I don't plan on doing this podcast forever. And saving up an emergency fund, because life is like a movie. It loves a good plot twist. The good news is we can learn how to be prepared for those twists and turns. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome, Debbie. Can you share just a little bit about who you are and how you arrived here today?
1: Absolutely. Well, hi, Carly. And thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. I'm a grandmother of six and a mom of three adult daughters. And I'm also a wife and a retired registered nurse.
0: So Debbie and I met, we were just discussing, we met over two years ago now, back in the end of 2020. And so we started working together. She was one of my coaching calls that I used to do, hopping on Zoom. So Debbie, when you came and when we started that back in November 2020, what was the driving force behind seeking a service out like a custom budget?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing for me at the time was that I needed a clear picture of my finances. Finally, like after all of these years, and I wanted to be able to see how my income would or how our financial picture would look if I subtracted my income from the equation. And part of that driving force was that we had a couple of years or more of some health issues within my family unit, but I wanted to be able to, um, Take myself away from caring for others outside of the home and focus on my family unit and see if I could do that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times when life is, you know, even nothing's really changing, we can kind of tune out or, you know, just be on autopilot with our finances. And then when either a change or a potential change comes on our plate, we suddenly realize how interwoven our money is with those things that we want to do or those changes that we want to make. So, I think a lot of times thinking through a hypothetical, like could I buy that house? Could I leave that job? Then it's suddenly very front of mind that our that the state of our personal finances is gonna be one of the main driving factors in that decision. So I remember when we sat down together that we you know, laid out the budget and I'm pretty sure we went ahead and made the budget just ignoring your income. So we went ahead and we were like, okay, whatever this thing is that you wanna do, which in your case was to live fully off of the other incomes outside of your paycheck, we just went ahead and built the budget that way. Like, hey, let's just look at it the way that we want it to be. Go ahead and assume that's the decision you're making, and then we can make changes from there. Maybe currently there's a gap between the way that your finances are and where you want them to be. We can make decisions like, okay, you're almost there. You're almost able to live entirely off of your other incomes, but not quite. So what do we need to do in order to get there? So when we did that, November 2020, we did a mini session. And then January 2021, just a couple months later, we did a full session where we really dove into your budget. Let's talk about that, kind of walking side by side. You mentioned as we prepared for this a little bit about bringing to the table, to those budget conversations, some emotions around money. Can you talk about how we navigated that?
1: Well- For me, I came from a household as a child where we sort of not only lived paycheck to paycheck, but we were always kind of behind the eight ball. And the type of personality I have as the older child, I always had an awareness, even if it was unspoken, of things that were going on in the household. And so I always had this feeling that I never had enough, even when I did growing up. And I think that for me, trying to figure out how to do a budget was always just such a mental block. I could never really see what I had. It's like it was just an abstract in my mind. And working through that in my young adult life and with raising children and working and a husband and a dog and a house and all the things... The way I navigated that before was just to, I had a fear of spending. I had to hold on to my money. I need to put it over here. And so anytime I wanted to do something with my money, it felt like I was losing a piece of my soul, even though I had it. And it's because I never really saw fully what I had. I needed a way to manage my financial picture. So that it was clear to me that not only did I have enough, but I was able to let go safely for living my life without living in fear of not having enough, because that's how, whether that was true or not, it was this embedded feeling within my soul that money was something that I needed to hang on to it because I might not have enough. And so I didn't have a lot of debt when you and I came together. I tried paper and pen. I had actually been through a faith-based program for financial calm. And I didn't learn anything new there that I didn't already know. I had tried really hard to use their app and didn't find that worked for me. I was an early adopter to a computer in the early 80s and a program, and I used Quicken, and I could plug numbers in and see what happened after I paid for it, but I couldn't see what was going to happen prior to paying for things, and it didn't tell me at the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the pay period, if there was enough money to put over here to by xyz i found you and the fact that you could show me what was left at the end of the pay period that then i could use that and whether you want it to be a zero based budget or not at the end of the pay period here's this amount that i can take and do whatever i want with because then i'm going to start over again what financial calm that has brought
0: that's amazing. And I think sometimes what new people look at, an example of a pay period budget, like what we do, and at face value when they first glance at it, they're like, whoa, that is just way too many numbers on a big spreadsheet, that's too much for me. And I think what we fix up is that there's two phases of it. Like in the planning portion, we wanna look at a zoomed out view, a high level view of how is our money trending over time? But then what we do once we actually start it, when we wanna put it into practice, like you said, one pay period is really all we have to focus on. So using or implementing one pay period at a time so we don't have to look at all of this giant sheet all at the same time. And I think the positive of having a little bit of a longer view is exactly what you are describing. Sometimes if a budget, like a lot of apps and things, they will only let you see about a month at a time, right? So if we're on December 1st, we can see the 1st through the 30th. So we're like, yes, I am solid. I have my plan for the month. But then the following month, January, feels like this dark cliff. Like, okay, I'm good for right now, but what is going to happen in January? Am I still going to be okay in January? So I think laying it out in this way does really give you a sense that you can see a zoomed out view of like, if I go buy Christmas presents for my grandkids, it's totally fine because on this one sheet, I can see that all the bills are taken care of, the mortgage is covered, everything else is covered, and I can see the connection between something like a few Christmas presents and the big picture of my money over time. So now I have permission to spend, not this sense of I'm not going to know when I've gone too far until it's too late and how it's going to impact other things. We can already see that, right?
1: And I think you hit on the key word right there for me, which was permission.
0: Especially having what you described, those emotions that you brought into budgeting, like, okay, I can finally see that this one purchase isn't going to be the final straw. It's not going to be the thing that sends me over the edge in my finances.
1: Right. And, you know, because of my emotions, my financial emotions from before, I avoided purchases, I avoided spending money. I hoarded money because it just gave me that gut feeling of fear and having your plan releases me from that.
0: I think I can probably say that you're somebody who feels deeply. You just feel deeply for other people, for the people around you. So it can kind of go both ways. If I try to tell somebody that feels deeply that it's just numbers, some people might take that as, well, no, my emotions are very tied to these numbers. So tell me how that's actually a releasing or a helpful idea for someone who tends to feel deeply for other people that these are in fact just numbers.
1: Well, you're exactly right. i do consider myself to be a deep feeler and an empath. What I have learned from working with you and from following you and from using your product is that facts don't lie. And these numbers are telling a truth, whether or not I want to know it or not, whether or not anybody wants to know it or not. Looking at this more objectively, can truly set someone free, you know, being afraid to fill out that financial snapshot to put it all down. I felt that fear, but when you know, that, then you can take a step back and just look at the number and then you have a way to work around what the situation is that's in front of you and what the template does what the spreadsheet does is it shows you how to do that you know okay so here's the number this isn't working but this is the number when I look at my pay period that column and this number isn't working I can't change that but what can I change and so for you to tell me that it's okay not to feel emotional about it you know, as someone who does think and feel deeply, I have to hear you. And in hearing you, it creates change within me, that then I can move forward in something that I've been moving forward in anyway. I mean, you know, our finances are going to march on, life is going to march on. And if I wanted a change, then I needed to create the change and listening to someone else say, factor the emotion out of that. These are just numbers. This is a fact. This is either what you've done that has created this number, or this is what you will be doing that will create this number. What can you do differently Is true, has truly been life-changing for me. At one point in my financial life, I made a six-figure salary. I had a six-figure income. And I never felt the financial ease or calm when I made money that I have now when I am making zero money.
0: That is phenomenal. I am truly so, so excited for you. That just gives me chills to hear, because I think that I, what you are describing, I mean, across the board, is so common for so many people. And what's heartbreaking to me is a passion of mine why I'm doing what I'm doing is that a lot of times we try to comfort our fears by just ignoring them. So we feel like I'm afraid of the numbers. I'm afraid of what I'm going to see behind the wall if I truly peel it back and look at the real numbers in my finances. And so we come up the, with these coping strategies that help us ignore the numbers and we think it's going to make us feel better when really it makes us feel worse. And so when people imagine I, it will feel better if I don't look at the numbers, what they're forgetting is that that's not the only thing we do. We don't just look at the numbers and then just keep looking at the numbers and go over and over about all the bad decisions you made and all the negatives and all the you know numbers in the red that we see. That is step one of like 100. Really, it's like step zero. We immediately move into how do, are we going to use those facts to very quickly course correct so that you don't stay in that feeling of, oh my goodness, look at this giant mess. We instead just stay there for a moment and then we immediately use the numbers we see to move into action, to move towards the financial progress that you actually want. Without any numbers, without any information to ground us in, we sometimes make these decisions out of fear that don't actually end up
1: helping us. Or moving us forward. The way I handled it previously was well, for one thing, I put everything on a credit card and would pay it off at the end of the month. And the downside to that was I didn't necessarily have a clear picture of what I was spending, which was the biggest thing I was afraid of. You know, I was afraid to spend money, but yet I was loosely spending money because I was, you know, get that credit card out. And it's almost like I just sort of followed that balance in my brain. So I never could turn my brain off. I always had to have that number in my brain to know this is how much money now we're going to be making this month. And has that number risen to a point that I can't pay it off at the end of the month. And knowing that those were constantly going on in my head was what was keeping me up at night. And once I was able to take away from putting everything on a credit card and know exactly what I was spending everything on that credit card monthly by putting it on the financial snapshot and then seeing what was working. You know, I'd never used a spreadsheet before. I'm almost 61 years old. I started doing this in my late fifties. I, the type of work that I did didn't require using a spreadsheet. I had never used a spreadsheet in my life. I, you know, undo button was the first thing I remember you saying was, you know, that's your friend. So for me to have never used a tool such as a spreadsheet and to say, I'm going to stop putting everything on a credit card. I'm going to start paying for it all. I'm going to write it all down or type it all into my spreadsheet app on my phone was just in many ways so cathartic and freeing and scary but once I got over that hump and realized you know face your fear knowledge is power all those things I do truly believe stop ignoring your financial situation just because you know you can pay it at the end of the month and be done pay attention to that and I put a little bit of effort into paying attention. The effort that I have to put in now is so much less than the mental effort that I had created around it by just basically sleeping through my financial life. And what I think I'm scared of now is that all of the things I missed out on that I could have done or where could I have been financially had I done this when I was younger? Don't be afraid, guys. Do it now. Don't wait until you're older like I am. You know, start now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say also, it's never too late. If people are relating to Debbie's story of feeling like, well, maybe it's too late for me. I'm just going to coast through. I might as well not make any big changes or anything. I think you are a testimony of that not being the case at all. That, you know, no matter where we start, I think we're all going to wish that we had started earlier. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about helping her daughter set up a Roth IRA, and her daughter is 10. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wish I started when I was 10 instead of 30. So there's always going to be that moment of wishing that we had done this earlier. But the second best time to start is today. So let's talk about when we sat down and we did that budget so that you could see your real numbers laid out clearly. Now you're describing two years down the road, how it looks as it's evolved, things have gotten easier, the mental load is lighter. But let's first talk about right after we did that coaching call. We hang up, you see the numbers laid out, but I'm more out of the picture at that point. Our call is done and you know I'm sending you off. You might see me on Instagram stories or whatever. How did you then approach taking it on for yourself, trying something new, because that's where the rubber really meets the road after we get off the call, not during the call. You're actually the one that needs to put things into place. So did you kind of say like, okay, day one, I am gung-ho, I am doing this, or was there a more
1: gradual transformation over time? I was determined that I needed to stop the noise in my head and that I knew that it needed to start with stopping that automatic money outflow onto the credit card. So I decided right away that with the next pay period, that I was going to play with the template and I was going to pay things with the debit card as they needed to be paid. And so I took some money out of savings and paid off my credit card without waiting until the paycheck came, because now This new pay period is starting and I need this money at the top of the column to pay for what's in the column. I don't have that money then to pay backward to what I had on my credit card. Which is a transition that only needs to happen once. It only needs to happen once. It's not as scary or as painful as it sounds. I made a decision that I wasn't going to be afraid of a spreadsheet. I was going to move forward with the template. And I did it. It was not as hard as I thought it was to plug in because we had a little different situation. Again, I wasn't going to put in my salary. I was only putting in my husband's pension. He is retired and his pension comes on the 25th of every month. And his social security came on the second Wednesday. And so we had a, had some strange gaps from when The second Wednesday to the 25th could be a, you know, a really long or and the 25th to the second Wednesday could be a really long gap. And I remember you showing me know what those days are. So at the top of the template, I the first time I started using it, I made sure to put the numbers in that helped me to calculate. For our food and for our gas, it helped me to know, oh, if you look over a couple of pay periods, you're planning on traveling, you're going out of town. So the fact that it works as a calendar, as well as your budget, is brilliant. And unlike the product that I had tried to use before, like an app-based checkbook register, which in only just showed me numbers coming out and didn't necessarily show me that at the end of the pay period, this is where you're at. This product gives such a clear picture that I don't know why it's it should be taught in high school. And I think what is, especially as a brand new spreadsheet
0: user for you, I think the light bulb moment that goes off for people is that this is completely customizable. You don't have the same pay periods that most people do. Most of the time, somebody is going to have a budget that is weekly, -weekly, biweekly, semi-monthly or monthly. You don't have any of those four. You're kind of piecing together two different pay periods into one. So when we got on that call, because a spreadsheet is just a blank sheet, we're able to say, okay, one of your income. Is always on the same date of the month, and the other one is kind of moving rotating. The second Wednesday isn't always the same day of each month. So we could work with both of those, no problem, basically. And there's not going to be a pre made app budget or template that's going to allow you to do that and customize fully. And, you know, I've transitioned into being self employed and paying ourselves on the 10th and 25th of each month instead of always having done on every other Friday. I was just used to bi weekly. So now Now I do the same thing that you do at the top of my budget. I actually list how many days are in each of those pay periods because they don't all have the same number of days. So before with biweekly, it was 14 days per pay period, no exceptions. Now 10th and 25th, sometimes I have a pay period that's 14 days and sometimes I have one that's 18, 19 days. And that was really affecting things like my groceries and my gas budget because I just needed those to last longer. So I think a software or an app sounds like it might be less intimidating or easier to use than a spreadsheet, but really because of customization, because everybody's finances are different, I mean, I've looked at hundreds and hundreds of budgets and I've never seen two that are the same. So we have this tool that's going to work for everybody. It can be something that they can tailor to every situation. You know, especially again, Debbie, in your unique situation, I'm so glad that you were able to find something where it was like, okay, I don't have a quote unquote, normal pay period pay period but I can still use this and I can use it fully you're not even limited compared to what other people are do it's not like you're using like a lesser version you are fully able to use the features even with a pretty
1: unique pay schedule exactly and I think what I was concerned about having never been a spreadsheet user was really not a valid concern because it's so simple as I've grown more confident in using it, you know, now I've changed the colors and I've added in different columns and removed columns. And honestly, following your pay period budget academy and your modules, even though I, again, I had already custom budget session with you. I still knew that there's a lot I can learn from Carly and there are so many pearls of wisdom that you have that you can't necessarily share in a half hour or an hour session i'm going i'm going to purchase that product and i'm going to watch every one of her videos and it again you know y- you have such a calming effect for someone like me who never felt that financial calm that I just feel like everybody needs to try it. Everybody needs to purchase it. Everybody needs to watch it. Everybody just needs to use the template and see that, you know, once you've used one full sheet and it's time to build another sheet, why not build four? So how far do you tend to have your budget
0: planned in advance?
1: Well, when I started, I was, again, I was shy. I was spreadsheet shy. And I only had that one sheet. And then when it was time, I just did another sheet. And I can remember initially thinking, oh gosh, it's time to, I have to build another sheet. And you know, that that fear started to bubble up again a little bit and I built a sheet and I survived it from blank to full, I'm still here. The numbers are there, you know, the ceiling didn't fall in. And so as I played with it through 2021, I started to spread my wings a little bit. And now I'm at the point where in September, I built 2023. You beat me. I started planning
0: 2023 in November.
1: Well, I have to say it's not 100% complete. But now what I've done is I've totally moved to where, oh, okay, here's an annual thing that's coming out now, an annual subscription. This went to one year later in the template and on that sheet and in that month and in that column and recorded that value that I know I will be paying. And if it changes between now and then, and I get an email that says your subscription went from 53.99 to 56.99, I'll go and change that. It's no problem. But the fact that I can look far as far ahead in, in my financial budget as I want to look is just amazing. If you're not
0: paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. Do you feel like there's a tie or a connection between some of those emotional fears around spending that you talked about in the beginning and this comfort in looking at your budget planned out further than just 30 days? Like, do you feel like some of those fears are quieted by being able to look at real numbers farther in advance?
1: 100%. Because like you said, you know, the abyss of the next month, the, you know, oh gosh, January's a black hole. It's really not. it's no longer a black hole. I know that we're getting paid and I go and plug that in. But I think that people maybe even with variable incomes would find such comfort in knowing that they can outline their finances and that they can begin to set aside those numbers and plug in those numbers and get a feel for where they're at so that they can plan ahead and make adjustments now that will affect them in the near future.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, years back when I was doing this, long before Debt-Free Mom, I could feel in myself, I knew that I was not someone who thought about the the future as an exciting place where I looked ahead and I was like, "Yes, there's so many possibilities." The future is pretty intimidating to me. I'm a very risk-averse person. It just feels unknown, and the unknown feels scary. And like you said, I feel like what I was doing as I built my own budget into the future, I was trying to take the unknown and make it more known. You know, obviously, I cannot predict everything that's going to happen. And the way that I lay out my budget is almost never exactly how it happens. But seeing some of these real numbers laid out and how they were going to interact with each other, especially as things changed as our first kid would head to preschool. And so we added a payment for that, or there was a job change, um, you know, going full-time, part-time, whatever, instead of just having to hold all these hypothetical numbers in my head and figure out if it was going to all work on paper. Some of these, I was able to just put down on the budget and see in real life, see those numbers come together and see how it was all going to work out. And then I could ask myself, is that fear justified? Is that fear of the unknown a valid fear? Or are there actually ways to make plans around that? We risk-averse people tend to balloon these fears into something that they don't need to be. So it takes either people talking to us about it or having tools that will help us lay those numbers out. Because then we have to say, okay, this massive fear that I actually had wasn't warranted because I can see in the numbers that preschool tuition is not going to ruin the big picture of our budget.
1: And maybe if the fear is warranted, doesn't it help to have it clearly in front of us so that then we can make those adjustments to help lessen the impact
0: Yes. Being able to know about it early is so important.
1: Yeah. Knowing about it early. And I think, you know, because of your tools, you know, I still have some trouble with having fun with my money, but I definitely have a better relationship with finances and with my money now.
0: So now as we talk about it, as you are a more seasoned user and you have used this template for a couple years, several pay periods go by and you are in the groove, what do you do when things are unexpected or things change? Because I think that's sometimes a big hang up for people is when they make a budget and then things change, they feel like the budget itself is ruined. So do you have any go-tos for when things pop up that weren't part of your budget but that need to be part of your budget? How do you adjust for that?
1: Well, it's not shot. And that has been probably the greatest joy for me to find that because within that column, there is a plan and not everything has to be spent as I have it listed out. And so the biggest problem I had was leaving a buffer. I I wanted to allocate every dollar. I wanted everything allocated and this is where it's going and this is what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And what kind of problems did you run into by not having a buffer?
1: Well, things happen. Also, while I feel deeply and I'm empathic, I also am a bit of a control freak. And this is what should be happening. And lo and behold, life happens and groceries go up and you maybe use more gasoline than you expected, or there's a bill that comes due that you didn't plan on. I don't have a lot of those surprises, fortunately, because of where I'm at in my life. I'm older. I don't have small children or children in school or those types of expenses that may surprise me. But that's not to say that there are not surprises that will happen. And what I tend to do is I'll make adjustments in the restaurant column, or I'll make an adjustment where I had planned to send this much money to savings. Now I decrease that. And I there's always a way within the column to make the numbers work. I have yet to find it happen that I couldn't make the numbers work. And if I see that the next pay period, I'm falling short, I'm making those numbers work by utilizing that rollover. And I've even seen times where I planned a rollover to make the numbers work for the next pay period and lo and behold the power bill was less in that pay period and you go in and put the actual number in that's another beautiful thing is what I have laid out for the next pay period and the pay period after that includes some things that are variable like my water bill my power bill and I have done what you have suggested which is estimate high. When the power bill comes, and fortunately it's lower than that, well, look at that. Now I have a better buffer.
0: It definitely makes it easier to be a problem solver when the numbers are calculating for you, right? When the spreadsheet is putting them together for you and you just have to enter the numbers. I love seeing how everything interacts um, and I can be a better problem solver from there. I think that one of the things you mentioned before with you trying pen and paper, that would be a nightmare for a pen and paper budgeter.
1: You know, pen and paper, It that's just not where it's at. And, you know, hopefully my daughter and or daughters will listen to this podcast in the future, but I have one daughter who absolutely loves her pen and paper method and, you know, whatever works for you, but I just, I just feel like everybody needs to try this.
0: I think that there are absolutely people out there that need the pen and paper. They need to see the completed product in front of them in physical form, not on a screen. And I think that can work really well for the tracking component of it, but it is really hard on paper to zoom out of the big picture and see how everything is interconnected from one pay period to the next when you have to write it out yourself, you have to run the math yourself by hand, you sit there with a calculator. Every time something changes, you have to physically add and subtract things to see how they are impacting each other. I mean, I love math. I love running math by hand. If something gets really messed up in my budget, I like to pull out my pen and paper and add and subtract things manually just to try and find the error. But as a general rule, on the day-to-day basis, as I buy one little thing, I don't want to have to sit down and run those numbers every time. I want a tool that's going to run that for me. So let me ask you this. If you were to be able to speak to yourself, let's say five years ago, pre-pay period budgeting, but still a good ways back to where you had wished that you had done this earlier. What would you have told yourself or someone in your shoes who's not currently using a budget system that works well for them, but they're afraid to try something like a spreadsheet?
1: Well, the very first thing I have to say is do not be afraid. There's no harm in trying. And taking that first step is always the most difficult I think our financial health as a family is important. I think that there's probably always one member of the household that is more in tune to the budget and more in tune to the household finances. I think it needs to be looked at like it's your job. And we may not necessarily feel like we have time for another job but you really can't ignore it. And whatever it is that I was doing then, I knew it wasn't really working for me as well as something else was or could. But I think I was just afraid to step into it because I knew it was going to be a little bit of work. And people don't want to do something new because it's hard to make change. And I think in order to create change, We have to make change, and this isn't just something that, you know, oh, I'm going to pay the bills on Friday night, or this is something that once you start doing it, it's not going to be something that you are feeling averse to. It will become part of who you are every day in a way that's not difficult. In a way that just flows.
0: And how long would you say it took you to go from feeling like this was something new that you really had to give, you know, your focus mental effort to, to something that felt more natural?
1: I shifted into this feels natural very quickly. I mean, what I had to do was what I was doing anyway. Address numbers, pay the bills. I was already plugging numbers in to here, there, or somewhere mostly swimming in my head. And by taking that out of my head and putting it into the spreadsheet, again, I cannot state it enough. The financial calm just quickly came over me and I was able to move into this new system with such an ease that I can't even describe. And to pick up my phone and to, you know, I'm already looking at my banking on an app why can't i look at my spreadsheet you know i've got google sheets on an app you know pop into my bank on the app pop into the spreadsheet in the app oh look at what's come out of my bank account let's change the color in the column it's all cleared I think, too, what I often see is when people say
0: that they don't have time, it's not necessarily that they actually don't have time. It's that they don't see that this effort or this work is going to be value to them valuable to them, that it's going to actually return some value to their life. And so because of that, they spend their time doing other things that seem more valuable than budgeting or than tracking their spending. So putting effort into budgeting, we uh, we oftentimes only think about the downsides. I'm going to have to look at my numbers. I'm going to have to use some of my free time. I'm going to have to be faced with the consequences of my spending. We miss the upside, or we miss the benefits of asking ourselves, if I give 15 minutes to this, what will I gain? And so when we truly focus on or just try once and actually experience the positives, the pluses, the upsides, then we're like, oh, okay, I see what I get in exchange for my time. In exchange, I can get a sense of peace, a list of action steps, I'll have permission to spend, I'll have an awareness of where my money is going. And suddenly that sounds like a really, really fair trade for 15 minutes of my time. That's a trade that we're willing to make when we realize the value of the 15 minutes. What do I get in exchange for using 15 minutes of my time to budget instead of 15 minutes of my time to scroll?
1: I think the hardest part really was gathering all of my information, you know, and I think you have said that before. Listen, guys, you got to fill out this financial snapshot. Do not skip that part. Don't skip it. And I am here to confirm. And to say, don't skip it. It's not as hard as it sounds. For me, it was, I didn't want to feel the emotion that surrounded it. And I just had to ignore that emotion. You know, go through a few months in your bank app and take those numbers out of, you know, put it on that financial snapshot. Just do it. And once you've done that, it just gets easier from there.
0: And it's a one time thing. It's not something that we have to do over and over, constantly looking at the pain of our past choices. It is a one time chance to gather everything into one spot so that we can build a plan that fixes the problem and gives us that sense of freedom. Okay, I have a fun question that I'm going to ask everybody that comes on the podcast What would you do with an extra $5?
1: Honestly, I would probably spend it on my grandchildren. Spoken like a true grandma. Probably, you know, take my children to that dollar store that's no longer just a dollar or give, you know, give give it as a gift. I probably need $6 so I could pass out a dollar to each of the six grandchildren.
0: All right. So an extra $5 would go to your grandchildren. Now, what would you do with an extra $5,000? Oh,
1: vacation, travel, something, something that I never felt at piece to spend my dollars on when we were raising children you know that seemed frivolous we did take some vacation and do some travel but i always had some angst surrounding spending the money on on that and i think in today's world that experiences are really being brought to the forefront and so with my husband now we really want to do more travel and spend more time together as a couple and with our family. So I would put that toward a vacation or travel.
0: Well, Debbie, this has just been phenomenal. I think so many of my listeners are going to hear themselves in your story, hear that pain point of frustration and fear with where is my money going? Do I even have permission to spend? And they're just going to be amazed like I am by your transformation and your willingness to try something new and take on something like a spreadsheet that you hadn't done before in order to be able to make those changes, like leaving that full-time job so that you could really focus on the needs of your family. I am so thrilled to be able to share this story and just add the color of your unique experiences. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come share that story, to be vulnerable with us. And I think it is going to really change people to hear that and to think, wow, I can try this too.
1: Well, I'm just truly grateful for the message that you keep putting out there. I do have a financial calm and I have a contentment And I have the tools. You have given me the tools and I want your listeners to know those tools are there. Don't be afraid to pick them up and use them. Your financial calm should be something that you can all experience just by doing a little bit of work. And once you've done that work, it just will be easy from there.
0: I am so grateful for Debbie. Like she said, she found pay period budgeting later in life, and her hope is that by sharing her story, others, maybe even you, could sit there thinking, it's just too late for me. I borrowed too much. I make too little. I waited too long, and hear Debbie tell you that that's just not true. Financial security and calm are available to you. If you could take one thing away from today's episode, I hope it's this. It is never too late to find a budgeting method that works for your real life. Thank you for listening to the Debt Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to DFMPodcast.com. The Debt Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances.
1: What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it.